Hey guys, welcome to Beaver Does Movies. Uh, James Beaver, of course, is here. Where else would I be? And we've got a very interesting podcast for the first time. I have in more than one guest. From Past Bedtime Studio, we have Jeremy and we have Ben. Welcome to the show, guys. Hello. Thank you for having us. Hey, so um, we, we actually met each other at the Manitoba Pod Festival. And uh, so we met and basically this whole thing with the Manitoba Podcast Festival was to meet other creators in the scene and i met you at uh ben yes. and somebody else he yeah, was shut third... up. actually he's the other one uh he's not right now he couldn't i mean he's he's not here yeah but uh he's the other person and yes. he, we usually do the talk podcast together yes and then this is my first time meeting jeremy yes he is also a part of past bedtime studio so i would like you guys to maybe uh mention your podcast right now tell them what you do as a podcast, what shows you have, uh, and the floor's all yours, guys. Of course. Uh, first, I'm. I mean, I'm gonna share my half of this story, and I think then Jeremy can. That's perfect, them. guys. Just go for it. Yeah. Uh, what's so? Our main pr- product right now, the main podcast that we work on, is an audio drama called uh, Philip's Apocalypse. It was originally, maybe in fact, Jeremy. I think you should take this part because <laughs> he was the one that came right. up. With, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> right. So. Um... I, I have known uh, an actor for many years, Michael Johnston, and uh, we used to work together a lot on writing and music and stuff like that. And he sort of made this um, this little piece of audio drama for Newgrounds back in the day. I remember Newgrounds. Yeah, I yeah. use um, the Flash website where yeah. you see a lot of videos mm-hmm. or games and stuff like that. I used to play that in high school all the time. Yeah, I did too. So he um, they had some kind of um, they had some kind of voice acting contest. And Mike had made um, something with this character named Philip, and he called it Philip's Apocalypse. And it was basically, uh, you had to sort of show off, like, uh, three different voices or something. So he did, like, this this audio drama based over a tape recording. Okay. And so he was basically this young kid recording his experiences on a tape. And every once in a while, you'd hear the original contents of the tape, which was some kind of nursery rhyme. So he played, like, this older lady. And... um, would do these nursery rhymes and then the final bit was mike as the older version of the character kind of listening back on the tape okay and so he and then he he eventually made a second episode but he had created this really interesting um world and story and when ben and i were looking for a project to do um we thought Philip's Apocalypse would be a great podcast, like an audio drama. And you wanted to expand on Philip's Apocalypse into a much bigger show rather exactly. than a small self-contained story. You want to expand it and show off this interesting world that he's developed. Yeah, and mainly because um, I had written an episode for him that okay. he eventually never produced, but I was really proud of the episode and I was like, oh, I have to use it somehow. And so and now you're, you, you've made the podcast to actually get it published exactly right. yeah. yes of yeah. course yeah. <laughs> uh, the original uh, tape was more of a platform to show uh, for uh, Michael to show off his showcases yeah, showcases. vocal range exactly uh, but we realized that there is something we, we, that we can capture Ooh. 
embedded in the mood of the story, rather. It wasn't really spilled out. I think the original, the original plot, if I can even call it that, uh, is right now embedded in what we have done. But okay. the plot has progressed much further than the original pr- uh, premise. So we did, uh, we've written Philip's Apocalypse right now. And uh, a big portion of our emphasis is on soundscape. We would like to be able to tell the story through sound. Okay. We realize that uh, audio drama right now puts a lot of emphasis to reduce the uncertainties that are present uh, in, in a podcast. Because you can't see what's happening outside and also... You're not, it's not a book, so you can't provide too much explanation. Uh, we believe that, uh, we realize that instead of clamping down on what's happening, if we can actually allow the, um, uh, uh, the audience to really immerse themselves in the unknown of the, of the, part, of the story. So through the, uh, the sounds that they hear, it helps them better visualize what is going on. Right, but we don't need to nail it down that this is, maybe they can interpret what it, they are hearing. Just make it vague enough so that it can be the, their own creation as they exactly. listen. Exactly, yeah. Yes, exactly. That, that, that is perfect, that we, is perfect. We first, when we produced the first um, podca- uh, first episode of uh, Philip's Apocalypse, we showed it to a few of our friends, and we realized that people, it's really interesting. For example, they realize the character goes from point A to point B, so they realize there's emotion. But some, most people Im- imagined it how we perceived it, but they were the odd ones that thought maybe Phillips is going down the stairs or going from one room to another. All of them perceived motion. But yes. they perceive their own motion, and I think we we, we think that's really interesting. If, if uh, podcasts actually podcasts and audio drama through soundscape really promote uh, that. Yes, yes, and uh, so the first episode is available right now. Yes. Do you well, I mean, um, we're basically learning as we go, and um, we have plans to release the rest of season one as a complete package. Okay. So and that uh, you'll be able to binge listen. Do you have a time frame in mind? or We are hoping sometime early next year. That sounds, that sounds amazing. So um, I'm just going to get into the main meat of this show of right course. now. Because mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned, your show, your podcast is kind of a radio play. Me to talk to you guys and to actually get an episode. Because this is, of course, a movie podcast. I wanted to kind of do a fusion of both our podcasts. So I decided to pick the uh, the movie that I picked and that I gave to you guys as an option was Pontypool, which when it was conceived was actually a radio play alongside it. Right. And so it's all about radio, it's all about sounds and everything. So you mentioning that with your podcast using sounds for people to envision stuff, it's just a perfect option for us to talk about. True, yeah. Yes. Actually, the... I mean, I didn't know that was the point when you mentioned it, and which was really interesting because when Jeremy and I were looking at watching it the other night, we, it, it, the first thing we both said is this would be really uh, suitable for an audio drama. And, and it is. They actually made it into an hour-long audio drama that you can, that you can actually listen to on YouTube. Makes, it makes total sense. Uh, yesterday I was t- thinking, of sitting down at work, I don't know why, suddenly these things hit yeah. me at work and... I was thinking about this idea. Uh, this is more of something between audio drama and also the movie, so it's not directly yes. directed at the movie at the beginning. Yes. But I think we can maybe work our, uh, work our way through uh, towards it. So today I was like yesterday I was thinking that you know what what 
fits really well for um, an audio drama, and this I've been thinking about this for a while. If the 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 main characters are somehow removed from the event, yes, and they have to understand the event through some some other means that are difficult for them. Yes. So um, about this. We're starting to get into the movie right now, right. so let's just uh, take a break, okay? And then we'll start talking more about the movie and discuss how the movie is. Right. So that's good. Okay. Let's go. Welcome back. So yes, we watched Pontypool based on a radio play that was. It was actually started off as a book, as Jeremy was telling me. I believe so. And, yeah. and then they he made it into a radio play slash movie. This was done in conjunction with each other. It came out in 2008 and it was directed by Bruce McDonald and written by Tony Burgess. Based on his novel, Pontypool Changes Everything. Based on the town of Pontypool, Ontario. came out on September 6, 2008. It actually came on the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, which is a very big film festival. Uh, with the international release being March 6, 2009. It's 95 minutes. Uh, the box office was $32,000. Didn't make much, but I think it's made decent bank on DVD. So, uh, yeah. Let's get into this movie. So this movie is about a uh, what would you would you say he's like a shock jock, one of those like uh, Don Imus, Howard Stern type of personalities. Yeah, I would say he either belongs in um, in Texas or Alberta, <laughs> just <laughs> or, judging by his dress. <laughs> or, or he's like a New York radio show host who's kind of just forced to go to Canada because he's. Yeah. As they mentioned in this movie, he's been kicked out of like big right. syndicates and he's right. now forced to come to a small town. Yeah. And, and I guess it doesn't really say where. And also it might even be an assumed personality. Like he might be because that's his style, so he might have uh developed the character. Mm. It certainly does feel like it's a character because sometimes he keeps on pushing a certain agenda, you know? as the um as the movie goes on you start to see this persona crack. Right, yes. You, you start to see him become like more agitated and frightened. He right. starts off as, as this know-it-all bravado, wants to talk, talk about what he wants to talk about. Right. Doesn't care for anybody, thinks he's above everything. So I was when I was thinking about the character, and me and Jamie were talking about this uh, uh, when we were watching the movie and just before uh, joining your show. Yes. Um, I realized that this person, there are two kind of elements to the movie. Yes. Um, the, what's his name? Uh, Grant yeah. Mazzy. Yeah, Mazzy and then the lady who runs the, like the producer. Sidney Grant. Sid, yeah. Yes. So Mazzy uh, and Sid are two, two opposite sides. Yes. Uh, Sid is factual, by journalistic, the... you yeah, by the book, exactly. And, uh, and Mazzy is like a loose cannon. Yes. It's very important for him to... He's very personality-driven. Right, right. It's what's brought him to the dance. He doesn't care about factual. All he, all he cares about is ratings. Exactly. And, like, basically tugging on the, uh, the pulse of everything. Exactly, which is very, in fact, related to current uh, political climate. Exactly. This guy was saying that a pissed-off uh, audience is going to call his pissed-off friend. Exactly. And you will have uh, listener loyalty. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how you gain that loyalty, even if it's very it, negative. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it was very interesting just watching him at the start. He's this very confident radio host. And then as the movie goes on, like I said, his character just starts to deteriorate. True. And you can actually hear it in the way he's... When he starts half, he's talking like very relaxed, very chilled out. But then when he starts becoming a character and like an actual person, you can actually see him 
be terrified. Completely. Even at one point, he is at the beginning talking about uh, the um, chopper, sun, sunshine chopper. Yeah. Uh, Ken in the sunshine chopper. Yeah. That, that was actually very fun, funny to me <laughs> when it eventually turned out it was just some dude in a pickup truck. Right. That was really funny. <laughs> yeah. And he is telling people like there was an explosion of people and he, he's like giving this extremely graphic and terrifying re- count of what's happening yes but um, Maisie is not moved at all no but as as the uh, story goes on he's at one point like I need to see this yes because he's so removed from reality yeah and in, deep in his own but personality I, that he actually needs to verify is this happening outside but then as it happens you start to see him starting to fear for people right yes like when because the guy in the helicopter Ken he starts off um, he's seeing from a distance the dentist being attacked. Right. And then eventually he's now deep into it. And as it happens to Ken, you start to see Grant's character slip. Right, yes. You start to see him become more closer less and Grant closer, the right. personality and Grant the person. Right. And he's actually asking questions like he's fearful for his life. Right. And also, it, it you it's interesting you mentioned that even the zombies, I don't know, they never really named them anything. They don't really name them zombies. They, uh, there's a name for them in the book, though, apparently. Yes. They oh. call them conversationalists. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's oh, what wow. they're called. I think that's what it was. That's, that's, really that's a great name. Yeah. Well, I just <laughs> refer to them as the Horde because right, it, was, yeah. say it Horde. was a giant yeah. group of them. So, uh, the like Ken, at the beginning, he's this... Like at least perceived as someone on a chopper above the clouds. Then he com- he, he suddenly comes on the ground. Yeah. Then he gets even one step closer to the to the horde of yes. conversationalist, to the point that the, he can he's, he's like he's getting close face enough. to face. Yeah. That that whole part where he could hear from yeah. the voice of like this crippled teen on the ground, and you can hear a baby crying from his throat. Right. Yeah. That, that was like horrifying. That, that was. Yeah. And, for sure. And th- this was perfect because imagine just not even seeing it and just like closing your eyes and just listening to that to a radio play. It really worked. It was perfect because this was a movie, but you could like close your eyes and listen to it. Yeah. You, you, didn't need, you didn't need to see anything visual, but the visuals were interesting enough to keep you going. They didn't just go by the radio stuff. Yeah. They showed you a lot of stuff, but it didn't distract from the sounds that you could hear. Right. And uh, actually, I wanted to ask you what words you heard um, when, the, when he was holding the, the phone to the, to the kid on the ground. I, I heard a, a baby crying. Yeah. Like, did you hear words specifically? No, I didn't. Okay, because it was interesting, because I, I thought I heard one word, and then I actually, we were watching with subtitles, and it was he was actually saying, help me and mommy, but they sounded exactly the same. Uh, okay. And I was thinking, oh, this is kind of like a, a Yanny and Laurel type thing, uh-huh. where if you didn't have the subtitles on, you might have heard like one or the other. Yeah. I didn't have subtitles on it at all, so I I just heard all all I heard was wah wah. Right. And the when you were talking about about this being an audio experience, yes, I totally concur. Me and Jeremy basically came to the same conclusion at almost at the beginning of the movie that we didn't know this was first. uh, I mean, I tried not to read about it, so I can completely comprehend without any biases. Or like waiting for you wanted to, to go into it fresh. Yes, pretty much both of us said almost at the same time that this is perfect for an audio drama. Oh yeah, and I think what why it works is something I th- that something called keyhole yes. drama or a situation. I don't know what's the but it's a keyhole situation. As in, 
in um, in literature when you're removed from the from the subject matter and yes. you're looking through the like the peeking hole or something yes. like that. But usually in I think in lit- literature the narration and the author removes you on purpose. So the reader is understanding about them through a keyhole. Here the hero is understanding yes. about them. And it kept it uh, visually interesting too with a lot of the shots, but it was mainly a audio listen. Right. You hear everything. You see stuff happening, but that's not the main focus. It's mainly audio because the audio in itself actually ties into what is the problem. Right. And uh, I would like to uh, delve into that right now. The virus, uh, like I said, is vocal based. And the victims, it starts off with them repeating the same words over and over again. If they can't hear a word, they start to make like a radio tuna noise. Right. Like when you hear from uh, the, what's her name? The uh, audio technician. Lorianne. Right. You, she, stand, she sits there and just starts to go... Ooh, right. And then eventually she hears a word and she, she goes for it. Right. And so apparently what this virus is, is when you start to understand the word that they're saying, it's got you. Right. And then they start to do it. And once you understand that word, you're infected. And that's terrifying. It is a bit terrifying. Um, I have to say the, um, the opening of the movie I thought was really strong. Like that, that audio opening where he's talking yes. about Pontypool and Ponta, you know, like kind of the similarities of the word. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like yes. It's a really strong opening. And I actually, I really like the slow build. Yes. In the beginning of I the I also movie. like the uh, kind of the preview for the virus when that woman taps on his mm. car window. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of opens his window as she disappears. And he starts to yell back. And you, and you can echo hear... Echo coming back. And you can yeah. echo, it's not an echo, though. It's actually oh, the voices right. of the conversationalists coming back. Right. You think it's an echo, well, but it took. But knowing what we know now at the end of the true, movie, true. it was actually the start of the virus. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, in heavy snow, you can it either dims it or, in fact, look. I mean, close proximity. There's some kind of echo coming back. So, I thought that's what it is, but yes. that's actually very profound. I never thought of it. It's really cool. The fact that he was so close to the danger, exactly. Yet he, we didn't realize it. Just like how he didn't. He wasn't realizing it. I think that's why the horde was so quick to get to them because they were on the way there. Because um, remember, the horde comes around right. around right. the church, and they actually showed up pretty quickly. Right. I think that was them slowly coming towards them, and he only beat them because he was in a car. Right. So this virus, when it's in full effect, they they kind of bounce off the words back off. If you notice that, so you right. say, right. like I said, when they say hello, hello, and it's coming back i think that's their way of trying to trap you um like to get you infected and apparently it's only english yeah yes there's an aspect to this where there's a lot of quebec speakers especially there's a part where you hear a quebec speaker coming over the system telling don't speak english don't do this and i wonder if maybe this was uh the quebecers like a biological bomb or something like and, that. And also the the, the end of the uh, end of that French instruction is do not translate this. Yes. Which means the only th- which is funny that's at yeah. the end. Yeah, it should have been <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's clearly why why shouldn't this be translated yeah. if this is the cure if it's the anti antidote? Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think this is nature doing this. Right. I think this is something that's been bioengineered, and it's the one trying to attack the West you know, the West, and destroy their language so that no one can speak English again. Right. That, that, that's, the way, that's the way I heard it, because it does seem like... There is certainly strong reference to the, to the, to the clashes and conflict, yes. especially at the border. I yes. Mean, uh, even the, 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 begin, the beginnings t- 
talks about how things look like coincidence yes. before there's a lot of it. And then it doesn't, it isn't a coincidence anymore. I mean, okay, that's a philosophical question. Yeah, exactly. But the, the movie is, I think, kind of direct on that. Yeah, and, and so much so that um, towards the end of the movie, the main character starts speaking other languages. What um, Grand doesn't speak any French, just like a little bit, right? Mm. Um, Lorianne speaks some French. Some, some French. Being in Ontario, it's kind of a half and half. Uh, in Ontario, it's kind of half and half English, half French. You kind of learn it in school, and then you have the dentist John Mendez, who slowly starts to figure out. He's kind of the exposition tool. To like kind of reveal everything, what's going on, and how they know, and he starts speaking Spanish. Is that part of Spanish? Armenian. Armenian. Was yeah. It, oh, was it Armenian? Okay, this is what confused me: is that they have a they have a doctor named John Mendez. Yes. Who is Armenian? So I was like, yeah, that was this really, is really strange. It was Armenian. Yeah. My apologies. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was Spanish. Judging by his last name, but to yeah. me, he was talking Armenian. I mean, I don't know Armenian. I I can't understand it. Yeah. But. To my ear, that was Armenian. Okay. It was on Wikipedia. That's okay. what I read. Because okay. okay. I was curious, too. So, according to Wikipedia, it, it was Armenian. Um, so, yeah. So, at the end, all the main characters start speaking these mm-hmm. languages. And so, there's another section where, after the, all this stuff happens at the dentist, we get this really weird scene where we're, it's this really, really weird scene with the Lawrence of Arabia cast. <laughs> It is bizarre. <laughs> it, I, is, it is bizarre because it's clearly white people in brown face. Yes. Right. And I'm like, holy shit. It's super racist. <laughs> yeah. And they start singing about it. But then it takes a turn for the worst because one of the girls clearly has the virus. Right. And watching her slowly like try and figure out words and then slowly descend into this like virus madness. It was very freaky. It was. It and was. To be honest, that was also, I think, another contribution to the general arc of the of the story. Yeah. Slow build. Yes. To it, a very, you anticipated from the beginning yes. that something is about to happen, yeah. and the tension is very strong. I I agree with Jeremy. It's a sl- it's a slow creep into madness. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I actually I actually felt the introduction of the doctor was when the movie started to uh, degrade a bit. Yes. Like, I thought the first half was really strong and kind of did a great job at scaring you yeah. into into this world. But um, the Doctor kind of is, you know, not the best actor, and he kind of comes in and... and Expositions it, his ass off. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, like, how do you know all this stuff? Like, and you're maybe, so calm. You just came yeah. from a building that's been, like, demolished from these things. And yeah, you're exactly. like, you're just so... Rational and yeah, yeah. You, you managed to survive in the the attached dentist and office. Wh- yeah. And the, why were they attacking him to begin with? I I think they it was just the first place they went to. It was some, okay. I thought it was something about his name. He was faking prescriptions, right? And so there was apparently a protest there already, and oh, with it being such a big group of people, and they're yeah. all chanting probably one thing like "get him out." Right. That's probably prime candidate for all of them to be infected at, at once. Yeah. That is my guess. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. Yeah, yeah. true. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So, w- as this is happening, as John Mendez is expositioning his ass off, Laurie <laughs> Ann, she goes through a really horrifying transformation. Right. She starts to give the vibes. We start to hear like the radio tuner as she's like trying to hear at the sounds. They managed to run uh, Sydney, Sydney yeah. and Mendez escape into the studio. And she's like, just trying to go for them. And she's like, running face first into the glass. Yeah, actually, um, 
I thought that was a really creepy scene when she was copying the tea kettle sound. Mm. But then, like, you know, the doctor comes in and he's like, don't speak, don't speak. And they're, like, right next to her. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Just get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> he should have just grabbed him by the collar and just ran in the yeah. opposite direction rather than allow her to speak. Uh, there was a funny thing where she's like, I wonder if she can read lips. Right. I was finding that funny because it, it is a vocal virus. Right. <laughs> and there was just... You would think that, though. You would actually think... Yeah, I guess it's because it's more about understanding words. Yes. If you can read lips, you're still understanding a word, right? Exactly. But I think it's mainly using your vocal cords. It attacks right. the vocal cords. Right. And so we actually see, with with this character, Lorianne, we actually see the beginning of it, and we actually see the end if they don't infect other people. So what happens is she's constantly trying to attack, and then slowly but surely she can't get to them. So it's kind of like her body's just rejected itself. And she throws up all her insights. Right. So basically, it's it's kind of like, how would you put it? It's like a virus that's trying to infect and has nothing to affect. So it implodes in on itself. Right. Which is not a virus like... Maybe a I mean, par- parasite. The, pa- yeah, there are, I think, I don't know if it's a scientific term, but I have heard about, I don't know if it's a scientific term or, or not, but I think it was stupid. The virus and smart virus. Yes. The, the reason, it, I mean, the, the distinguishment here is a, 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 a stupid virus, or I can't remember what the exact term was, but let's go with this for now. Stupid virus is the one, or um, any path, pathogen, yeah. uh, would kill the, would uh, proliferate to the point that would kill the host, uh, host as yes. soon, I mean, as soon as possible. Yeah. But... A smart virus like flu will not d- destroy the. It, it will the host. live with you. Yeah, for a very long time, it, it's going to maintain a relationship where you're going to be alive, so it it stays alive. So, so it, it would be a virus though, because you are technically still alive. It's just kind of taking over you in other ways. Right, your body's still going, but it, so, it is like a pathogen in that if you can't find it, it's kind of like a a combination. Right, it eats, it eats, it uh, depletes you if yes. it can't get to what it wants. Exactly. So here they, exp- I mean, they burst it out. I, I mean, it doesn't need to be scientific, but I, that that's what <laughs> exactly. reminded me of. Yeah. Um, so eventually, this movie, uh, we go into kind of like it kind of becomes action packed mm-hmm. towards the end, which kind of, like you said, it kind of drops off. Mm-hmm. Uh, they escape the office using his voice to get to direct the horde, which is now attacking. Um, Mendez basically runs off. Right. And so they're trying to find somewhere. And then they find the Lawrence of Arabia girl. And she attacks Sydney by biting her neck. He picks her up, throws her against the wall. And they just proceed to stomp the shit out of her. (laughs) Just stomp her. Right. And I'm like, holy shit. They just murdered a little girl. Right. And it it weighs on them. It does. It weighs on them. That's one thing I liked. But it was just... You could have just run away elsewhere. <laughs> well, I guess after, I mean, in one sense, maybe they had they have had enough by that point. Oh, they, they, their lives they were multiple times uh, yes. at a danger. Yeah. And uh, the other thing, in fact, when you st- when you talked about uh, Dr. Mendes running away, yeah, they think that he had he, he just threw his life uh, like he sacrificed himself oh, for them when he when he what? managed to, to escape he actually the way i believe it is he realizes he has it because he's mumbling to himself so he decides to sacrifice himself by going through the window and attracting the horde but there, i there's something there first of all he he 
he strikes me as crazy from the beginning. Yes. So I don't think he was the virus. I think it was him just being crazy. But uh, it's, up, it's up for interpretation. True that, of yes. course, of course. But I mean, for for this interpretation yes. to work, I'm I'm just messing with you. Uh, he when he gets out of there, he is repeating what the horde is already repeating. If he wants to get noticed, shouldn't he be repeating something else? I thought maybe he's trying to in fact blend in. Yeah. Like what they do in Walking Dead, like they smear yes. got all over themselves. Yes, but the thing is, if he's constantly trying to blend in and repeat the same word over and over again, he's going to get infected. Hmm. Because it's it's not something right. that if they bite you are infected, it's done through vocal range. And once you understand what you're saying, you become infected. Yeah, although I feel like the movie kind of broke its own rules right. in this part. Like, yes. With um, like Kill. Right. right. Yeah. Like, how is he not infected, but she is, like, focusing on the story. I, mm, yeah. Like, I, that, I that kind of, like... I think they got to that point because they wanted to build a resolution. Right. Right. And so, eventually, um, Sydney does have the virus, and she's yet constantly yelling, kill her, kill her, kill. And he just yells, kiss her. And, basically, it confuses her enough on what he's saying that it snaps her out of it. Right. So, so what it is is... The understanding of the English language is what makes you infected with the virus. Right. And so if you throw stuff out to them that they won't understand and takes their mind off what they're saying, then you are now officially cured. Right. You're or, not or at least, yeah. <laughs> and so they decide to do the right thing by going back to the studio and recording random garbage. Just random words. Well, that was actually the, the point that they're quote unquote killed each other yeah. like when they were, when they kissed I thought that is the reconciliation of the movie yes. the, the fact and fiction or reason being reasonable and being bombastic kind of collide yes. into a solution because exactly. the final resolve isn't in fact logical it's yeah. being completely illogical and exactly. the clash is what makes it happen yes and so eventually they, they make attempts to uh, basically cure the people around them but it's too late Right. The government or whoever has decided we're going to bomb everything. Right. And I do like the ending because you don't see them die. Right. They just kiss each other and then it fades to black. And then you start to hear news reports. Right. That, you know, the prime minister's going to report on what happened to Pontypool. And, that, and then that the quarantine has failed. Right. And that everyone it, everyone's starting to get infected. And that it might be related to what happened to Pontypool. Right, and also the BBC's anchor at the very end yes. is repeating something. Yes. So he's... It's gone, he is, it's yeah. gone worldwide. Uh, in that part also adds to the fact that, you know, if... I mean, when they... Uh, the only international correspondent that talks to them is from BBC. It's not even from CNN. Yes. Which makes me believe that the um, English, Fran French... Uh, References yes. or the, uh, the reference to the contention between the two, at least at, at the border, is yes. very strong. Exactly. I mean, uh, we were talking about the Queen's uh, picture being on the wall, and there's a reason for that. Because it's, it's at a church, and usually churches have pictures of the Queen. Right, but I, I do, I maybe. I think there, adds I think there the... is a, a political mind for what is happening. Right. And like I said, I think that's because there's like a biological. Someone set up something biological to attack people because right. they do not like the English language. Right, and that would be a very surefire way of destroying something yeah, it, if it totally contaminated. Exactly. So uh, let's uh, get into this movie. Um, would you guys recommend this movie? I would. Yes. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's good for a watch. Yes, it's different. Um, 
I don't do five stars. I don't, you know, because I'm more relaxed on movies. I, I kind of, I don't want to force people to watch movies and say, this is a five star must see. I prefer it. it's either, you know, don't watch it. Watch it on your own or watch it in a group if you want to have some fun. This movie for me, especially with the sounds and everything, it's definitely a solo watch. Hmm. Because it's something that you'll need to like focus on every detail as you watch it. Yeah, I think the like the first half is really strong. Yes. And it's really a great exercise in kind of building tension and yes. horror. But I mean obviously it kind of descends a bit into B grade in the second yeah. half. But the first half is really strong and that's what I like about it. Yes. I think if someone hasn't, I mean, I don't know if that the, the person I'm talking about actually exists, <laughs> but if someone hasn't isn't familiar with zombie genre, this shouldn't be their first movie. No, 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 it shouldn't. I don't think it can't be even their second movie. It's like pretty much like well, once you have established if you watch, what it is, if you watch the classics, this will be something to right. expand your knowledge of zombie movies. True, totally. If you watch all the George Romero's, the Twenty Eight Days Later, mm-hmm. the Return of the Living Dead, them kind of movies then you can go on to something like this. So um, let's take a break. So be right back, guys. And we are back. And uh, yeah, so I have Jeremy and I have Ben right here. And we uh, during the break, we were actually discussing audio plays that are actually becoming TV shows and movies. Um, I love Homecoming. Uh, Homecoming is by Sam Esmail, who did Mr. Robot. And it's based on a podcast, and it's about soldiers suffering from PTSD. And they go to this facility, and something's up. Just with the way the the head of the office is complaining about it. You know, that he wants results. He wants it done. With me working in that same field, it's a long period. And he's he's talking days, weeks, until they can see results. Sometimes it takes years. And so the way they've transitioned this, because I've listened to the first episode of the podcast and I've gone into, like, the whole series of the first uh, season of Homecoming, and you you can kind of see what they've done. But they've added more of a visual flair, which is perfect for this kind of stuff. Because you can't just do audio when it comes to visual. You need to show something interesting. And Sam Esmo's kind of transcended that and kind of helped set up that whole style. And you guys was talking to me about another series called Law. And I just want you guys to like mention a Law just to let me know. Yeah, I mean, uh, Lore, uh, Aaron Mankey uh, does a fantastic job as a host and as a writer. Um, I mean, they... They cover a lot of obscure horror stories from, yes. you know, old America. And uh, I think the um, the Amazon Prime series did a good job in kind of bringing that to life and adding to what was already good content. Yes. Whereas, like, you know, something like Pool, which was enjoyable, but I didn't really feel like the movie was necessary. You could have, like I said, you could have shut your eyes and listened to yeah, it. Yeah, and I think actually it, it's, I mean... I, Honestly, I haven't listened to the audio drama, but I feel like it will be more terrifying than the movie. Yes, because sure. it puts it up to your imagination. The one hurdle when you you converting like a radio play into a TV, like a TV or a movie, like mm-hmm. War of the Worlds, is you've kind of got to beat your own imagination. Yeah, you've got to beat what you imagine. So sometimes it can be hard, but if you can nail it or make it like vague enough so that that imagination is still there Mm -hmm. it works perfectly that's one of the issues i find when you're adapting exactly but i think it it happens with any sort of adapting from book to whatever from in pretty much whatever to whatever because each medium uh there's a guy from winnipeg medium medium is the message what philosopher what philosopher was it in 60s he's from winnipeg and that is his one of his uh, most important works. 
I can't remember his name. <laughs> he says me, a medium is the message. Yes. So when you, uh, it's which means, according to his theory, it would be impossible. Like I mean, not according to his theory. If we take that, he doesn't talk about this. But yes. If we take that on, uh, at face value, we should you should not be able to in fact convert something, a medium to another medium. So you lose, uh, and I, uh, a lot of times I think. Uh, Producers also come in to play at these sort of yes. things uh, because the reason they picked up the podcast or the book is because it worked with a, it. It has proved its worth with a certain type of audience. Yes, and it's very important for the producers to appeal to the same base, which I think a lot of times almost impossible. You yes. really can't. They 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 are not the same type of people. No, uh, I watched. Um, Ghost in the Shell, and I don't. I don't think they did a good job with. I, I've I've heard it's not good. I enjoy the original Ghost in the Shell, right? And I I've heard like bad reports about yeah. it. Yeah, and the, the interesting thing is, it's from one visual medium to another. It's almost the same thing, but even that leap was too long. Yes, uh, but the the problem with Ghost in the Shell is there's a lot of aspects in Japanese culture that doesn't work in the Western. Mm-hmm culture right right there's certain things that they'll mention that won't work and will be confusing to people and also i mean i don't want to open up this uh uh, exactly but even the choice of actor that to be honest takes you away from like always asking yourself why is this why is this happening i mean yeah from the beginning i i don't think i want to i don't i wouldn't consider (laughs) myself as even myself as a fanboy and i was surprised yes (laughs) yes yes but oftentimes, it's very hard to get everybody happy when you cast a person. Right. That person looks exactly like the, the character in the novel, but they can't act. Right. And stuff like that. You can nev- you've can you kind of got to hit that just nice medium where they can act. They have a vague resemblance. I thought Scarlett Johansson worked in that aspect. Just from like the visuals I saw, that there was a vague resemblance. Because remember, the, the uh, design was very Western in Ghost in the Shell. Right. To, even it's though she was anime, a Japanese right. woman, she was a very Western design, the way she mm-hmm. looked. Right. And so, that I didn't mind. But there was certain aspects that I did have a problem with. Yeah, right. and the, uh, the, the old Japanese guy, I mean, he's a famous Japanese actor. I forget his name, but he... Uh, Beat Takeshi? Uh, yes. Yes. So oh, he, he only speaks Japanese in that movie, yeah. and it's like I don't get it. What's why. happening? Yeah. And yeah. We watched another movie, didn't we? Yeah. We and did. there was another character that only spoke a different language, and I'm right. like, what? Like why they couldn't they... <laughs> get the actor to mumble a few English words. Like it, it, it just struck me as really. It's strange. like when they did the uh, adaptation of The Grudge, right? And they made the whole first movie in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's like why didn't you just do a Japanese sequel? Yeah. The only difference is you brought an American actress in. Yeah. It, it made no sense. Apparently, they're bringing a new Grudge out that was actually filmed here in Winnipeg. Really? Yeah. Oh. It, it was filmed last year. That's cool. Yeah, and then. Going back onto like adaptions from like one, they actually did another thing that was filmed here in Winnipeg called uh, Channel Zero. It's a TV series on sci-fi, and it's adapting creepy pastors, which is like internet horror stories, right? Into like six episode miniseries, and it does it so well because it takes it, but it morphs it into its own story rather than trying to fully replicate. When it, my opinion is, when you do an adaptation, you can't fully adapt it. Because it doesn't work, you've got to put your own spin on it. Because if you if you don't, I may as well just read the book. You can, and even then, you can never appease those people. You can never appease them because they always say, "I may as well just read the book," or they got this small aspect wrong, and I hate it forever. Yeah, well, it's like a cover song, right? Yes. No one does it as good as the original. Exactly. 
So, so yeah. I, I appreciate it when they put their own spin on it rather than fully copying the idea. Totally, because you a, a problem with adapting is uh, you truncate what was there. Mm. If you, you need to add up. I mean, it's like fitting a big box through a small door. Yeah. Some things are going to get cut off. Exactly. So now you need to make it up some other half. Like It may fit through one door, but the other door might not work. Exactly. Yes. So you need to, I think you need to, li- I mean, it's not enough to just adapt, adapt it for screenplay. Yeah. It needs to be a new curation based on what you do. As long as it has the heart of it, it works. Right. Like The Departed. That mm. is based on the foreign affairs, I believe. It's a Hong Kong movie. Mm. And it's it's actually an adaption of that, right? But it took its own style. It took this the story and put its own little effect into this, and it worked out. It actually won Oscars and everything mm-hmm. because it it respected the source material, but it did its own spin. Yeah. Right. Well, Martin Scorsese knows what he's doing. That that <laughs> too. You need to be inspired more yeah. than like you 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 can't paraphrase it you need to be inspired and make something new you, you need to have faith in your own ability when you're making it and not trying to appease everybody right you, you need to follow your own vision exactly it has to be heartfelt yes it, you you need to completely re if it's you know if it's a financial product it will definitely yeah. show so go back to homecoming um the writers are actually involved in the production they're actually writing and they actually said we've actually changed the story a bit just for visual yeah, and that's why it's perfect for me because I can listen to the podcast and not know what goes on in the thing because a lot of things have changed for the first season. Characters are showing up earlier than expected. Aspects are introduced early. People get together at the end early, and when it's not actually happened in the whole series of the podcast. I think that is the same thing has happened to some extent for Annihilation. That was a book. Yes. It was adapted. There was a movie, and that I think it's a series on mm. Netflix, right? Yes. And I know that. Uh, uh, no, no, changed... it was it was a movie by uh, Dennis Villeneuve. It was first a book. Yes. Then it became a movie, but I've seen it on Netflix. I didn't click. They on... they just put it on. Oh, so it, it is the movie. It, yes. That's okay. Right. Yes. Okay, makes sense. But they they have taken the liberty. You know, it's not a historical event. You don't need to be no. truthful to the source. Like yeah. No one is, it's not fake news. No one's going to be like, no, no, that's not how it happened yeah. in my books. But the, the problem is you do get these book readers or these people of the original where that's not it. Right. But that, that was a book. Yeah. Like, um, I actually got mad at an adaption, uh, the Resident <laughs> Evil series. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love those games. I, I especially love the third one, Nemesis. Yeah. And when Nemesis got punched out by Alice in the third movie, I quit that series. Because <laughs> I'm like, I found that scary. Yeah. And yet she can punch him out. Yeah, to be honest, the only the first two movies are the only salvageable yes. ones. And then, but, yeah, and even then the second one, I'm like, eh. Yeah. So I'd like to um, end this by you guys saying where to find your podcast, where to listen. You know, so if you just want to go and plug away, I'll let you guys take it away. Of course. We have passbedtimestudio.com is I have a website, and uh, that's kind of our hub, but we, you can find us on uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, Instagram and Facebook. Passport Time Studio is uh, different variations of it. They can all be found in the footer of our website. And I think even if they, if you search Passport Time, if you put the studio at the end, because that would help a lot uh, with you finding it, otherwise we might not be the first one that shows up. We are on SoundCloud, we are on iTunes, uh, um, 
Stitcher. Stitcher. Uh, I mean, Stitcher is kind of bizarre because they still <laughs> yeah. they can't get their uh, RSS feed fixed. I've emailed them. Yeah. I've done a whole dig. They just don't. I don't know. Yeah. Probably don't want to bother. But um, uh, Google Play. Google Play. Yes, we're on Google Play. Yeah. And, Overcast. Uh, Overcast. Republic. Uh, uh, Radio. Radio. Radio Public. Radio Public. As okay. Well. And uh, Podcast Addict currently too. Right. Yeah. 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 It's been uh, syndicated. Uh, we, we've a Podcast Addict. If you just click the button. For, if it's on iTunes, you can get on podcast. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's, I thought. That's what that's what it usually I do for mine. It's just click through iTunes. I have like iTunes, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, which mm-hmm. I barely get anything from, and then Google Play. Yeah. Uh, if I may add this, I'm taking the I'm hugging the floor right now. But uh, mean while we're waiting for the original uh, series to be done, we have released two, and we're gonna release more episodes. What uh, mini series? Uh, uh, from miniseries that happen uh, in in the world of Philip's Apocalypse. Like a prequel? Yeah, uh, well, they are related. You don't know at right now where they relate, but at, when the uh, series is actually re- released, you can then connect dots. So it's like a standalone pre- prequel series yeah, to yes. kind of like build the world so that when you fully get into the series, you kind of know what's going on. Yes. Yeah, there's like there's certain times where like Philip will encounter a certain place or a character and... Um, and then we'll make a lost episode explaining how that character got there, okay. or how that place came to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, like, say you meet like Jeff. Yes. And, yeah. And you release like a, a like a prequel called Episode Jeff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. And the 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 lost episodes are basically like audiobook style. Yes. So I'll do some uh, like minimal producing for the minimal music. I'll narrate them, write them. Uh, the main series is fully produced, so it's okay. very much like movie, movie production. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. So yeah, thank you guys, uh, Jeremy, so Beth. I really appreciate it. I'm finally glad that we can actually sit down and actually do an episode together. Um, when you guys are available again, when I'm back off holiday. We definitely should do another episode. Absolutely. Of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah, we'll you, you guys to... can pick this time. Of sure. course. Yeah, okay, so sure. yeah, thank you for com- coming. And uh, yeah, definitely check them out, pastbedtimestudio.com. Enjoy yourselves, guys, and I'll uh, see you around. Thank you.